Hi there, and welcome to Putting the Squid to Bed, a podcast about creative people and their craft. My name is Tim Lenko. I'm a writer and performer, and on this podcast, I interview creative people about why they create things and how they go about it. The show is named after an image that I have found so helpful. If you're anything like me, you know those moments when you've nearly finished a project, but then you find another touch you could add, another loose end to tie off, or another rough patch that needs ironing out. It's like trying to tuck a squid into bed. Just when you get two or three arms under the covers, another four or five have popped back out. Projects are rarely finished so much as they are surrendered. And that journey of discovery, creation, and surrender is what I ask my guests about. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Putting the Squid to Bed. In case we haven't met, hi, I'm Tim. I don't know if anyone will notice besides me, but um, last week, or I called my last episode, the one with Braden David, episode 11. And before that, the one with Matt Fraze was episode 9. So episode 10 just never existed. Um, So today... We're going to magically make this one episode 10. I'm just going to let this messy unfolding of the journey exist with all its warts and its foibles. And I'm just going to lean into, I don't know, the the sense of wonder and play uh, that got me interested in doing this show in the first place, Um, which is kind of perfect uh, because my guest is someone who I've admired on Instagram for a while and uh, who really inspires me with their aesthetic of wonder and whimsy. Uh, So we should get them into this. Uh, My guest today is a singer, songwriter, and writer based in Portland. Uh, They make music under the name Sparkbird and has toured all over Japan, Europe, Russia, US. uh, And they also write young adult fiction. Uh, They're an Oregon literary fellow and a mentee under H.E. Edgemond through We Need Diverse Books. My guest is also an avid birder is Jewish and lives with their partner, Adam, and two parrots, Fred and Georgie. Please, welcome into your ears, Stephen Nance. Hi, Tim. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. The pleasure is mine. I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, it's so great to to be here. Yeah. Where are you calling in from this morning? Uh, uh, I'm in Portland. up in up in the bedroom because <laughs> it's the the quietest place in the house with birds in the house. <laughs> that makes sense. How old are Fred and Georgie? Georgie will be sixteen in January, and I've had her that whole time basically. And then Fred is uh, he's about forty five years old. So he's the oldest person in this house. <laughs> that's really sweet and was fred with your family for most of that 45 years or no um, no he's a newer addition um his former person had to go into like assisted living facility and so okay that's the thing i guess about parrots is they live so long that uh yeah. sometimes they end up trading uh hands Totally. I had parakeets as a kid, or budgies as we call them in Canada, and um, so they didn't quite have the length, lifespan. But um, I heard from some friends who had parrots that uh, it was um, it was quite something to have a bird outlive family members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have with Georgie, the one who's about sixteen. I she could live another, you know, twenty years, um, which is oh. really wild. <laughs> 
oh, that's cool. And so you said you're upstairs where it's quieter. They're pretty pretty vocal. They're they're sing a lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I can hear Georgie downstairs being like, ah, um, because she probably can hear me, you know, I guess they're built to hear birds across long distances and I'm her, her bird. <laughs> so Aww. that's great. Which, so your, your name for your, for your musical act, um, spark bird. I didn't realize that this was a specific term with birding. I have dear friends who love birding. I didn't know, uh, for those who don't, don't know, do you want to explain where the name comes from and what it has to do with birding? Yeah, so a spark bird in the birding community is the bird that gets you excited about birds, like the the bird that starts the obsession. And um, and I had written so at one point, it's sort of been an interesting journey with this term because I I uh, I loved it and I thought, oh, that would be a great name for an album. And then I thought that would yeah. be a great name for a song, and I wrote a song. And then I was like, why not just <laughs> make that the name that I release music under? Um, yeah. And so it's got, it's like I've gotten closer and closer to it over time. I love it. And I love the song, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. As I was listening to it uh, the first time, I have to tell you, it opened up this childhood memory because the, um, the flute that you use in it sounded so much to me like, and this is, this is a huge throwback. Um, the, the Muppets did a movie, a, a feature film version of the princess and the frog, um, where this, uh, blonde actress would speak backwards and then they had to reverse the curse. But this soundtrack, the, the score for the film had this flute throughout the whole thing. And so it was this really emotional experience actually for me, really enjoying your song and then all of a sudden having these childhood memories blowing wide open. And uh, so it connected this sense of whimsy from the present and the past in a way that I really enjoyed. That's really nice to hear, especially because it is this nostalgic kind of song. Um, yeah. Like it has so much to do, I feel like with the passage of time and, and, and yeah, it feels like the orchestration somehow does contribute to that feeling of, of nostalgia. And so that's really nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it really did it for me. Yeah. Oh. So over the passage of time, I'd, I'd like to go back to really, really early Stephen. Where was the spark for you with music? When did mm. you get the sense that writing music, orchestrating, singing, this is for me, this is something I really want to do. Hmm. Well, I always sang, I think, uh, and always made up songs. Um, by always, I mean, I can remember when I was maybe, I was in preschool, I think, when I made up a little song about, like, having to bring crafts, <laughs> like, to, hmm. like, we, everyone had to bring in something, and I made up a song that was about, like, how cotton balls were all that I could bring, and... Hmm. And it still is in my head. And there are other little things like that from when I was a kid. I think because my mom sang everything, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if, if you've seen Bob's Burgers, like she was very much uh, a Linda Belcher type in terms okay. of like singing lots of things. Yeah. Um, and other, I don't know if she would contest that now, but because um, <laughs> I feel like 
uh, maybe it's a thing of being a kid and mm. just parents, you know, have to make things interesting somehow. Um, but this, I guess piano was also pretty tied to my mom because, um, she would play this song that, that I found incredibly exciting. And, um, and my goal was to become good enough at piano that I could play that song that she played. Mm. And eventually I, I did, but it took, cool. it took a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what the song was? Yeah. It's this, it's this piece called, um, Bourbon Street Saturday Night. That's like this kind of New Orleans jazz inspired cool. song that, um, and it's by William Gillick. Um, and yeah, and I can still play it and it's, uh, awesome. it's one of those songs that it's like will forever be like burned into my memory in a good way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Imprinted on your heart like a tattoo. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so great. And are, um, a lot of your family members still doing music? Is that still something that, um, oozes out of everyone? Um, I mean, or... I think, I think my mom would probably like to play piano again. She doesn't have a piano now where she lives, but my, um, and my dad, I'm sure he's still singing along to things, uh, all yeah. the time. Um, because that was like, he was very much a singer and he actually sang on a song of mine on, um, on my last album, Look at the Harlequins, he's one yeah. of the people singing on the song Gray and Green. I got like various oh, cool. people to sing on that. And my nephew played trumpet on that song. So I guess oh, there cool. is, yeah, there's still music <laughs> happening in the family for sure. I love that. That's really cool. Um, and then when did you start to say, well, I'm actually going to start committing all of these words to paper and then like, maybe even start recording them. Maybe that happened at the same time. Maybe there, it was different. When did that corner turn? That was, uh, that was, I think 2008, which is forever ago now. Um, <laughs> but that's when I, uh, that's when I made my first, well, that's when I started uploading things to YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. cause that's where we all were back then. And, Absolutely. um, and, uh, and yeah, I hadn't really, I, I don't know. I just sort of did it at someone's suggestion. And for a long time, that was the main place where I was putting stuff. And then I recorded an EP that year, I guess. Um, it's been so long though. And then, uh, yeah, but I feel like that's really when it started. That's neat. The passage of time is funny, hey, to think back how different things were. And the fact that you stand on the shoulders of an older version of yourself. And so mm. there's similarities and extraordinary differences. Yeah. If you yeah, were to call sure. out one particular um, aspect of growth as a musician, as a songwriter in that time that you really like about yourself and your artistry, what would that be? Hmm. Hmm. Between, so when, between when I started and now. Yeah. I in guess, 2008, uh, when you were putting <laughs> YouTube videos up to now? Hmm. I think that... Well, I feel like mm, what stands out the most to me, I suppose, is that I kept doing it. And I think that, like... I mean, you might think that, that just continuing to do something is, like... It sounds like the opposite of growth. But I feel like hmm. there was... Uh, 
it took a lot of growth just to keep doing it, I think, in terms of um, just the amount of persistence that I had to, uh, like, sustain over 15 years. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and I think... I think that I've, I would say that I've refined like things musically and lyrically, I mean, and vocally, like listening to the earliest stuff is very strange to me because Mm. it's, it's so different in terms of just like vocal control, I guess. And, and maybe just partly what I was going for was different. Um, But it's interesting because I think that, you know, the past sort of model of the music industry was that people who had potential would be like selected, you know, kind of like the Mickey Mouse Club sort of situation where people are sort of like sculpted into stars um, over time. And it's like, I think most people, that kind of development does take a lot of time. And so looking Mm. back, I can see why, you know, why you know, it was hard to get certain gigs and stuff then. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, it felt so frustrating. Um, and there, you know, there's still tons of frustrations. But I feel like uh, looking back, it's easier to see like, oh, okay, well, that was why. <laughs> like, I had a lot yeah. to learn uh, and a lot to uh, to work on improving, I think. Totally. There's a certain, like, uh, more full toolkit more um developed person and like physicality like you talk about your singing voice growing so like the physicality of it and like all of the skills and the knowledge of the body of of you know even life insight that adds up over time that then you can bring to the table and yeah that is what people are often looking for that full more fullness yeah yeah and to your earlier point about like it sounding you know, persistence in your craft sounding like the opposite of growth. Like I'm totally with you. I don't think it sounds like the opposite at all. I I, I don't remember where I heard it. Someone, you may even know where this came, came from, but people have talked about resilience being a process rather than a state of being. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you have been resilient and pushed through, even in spite of those frustrations and those, uh, you know, opportunities that didn't actually pan out, um, it's been a process and that's a growth process that gets stronger and more resilient as you go. Yeah. So I well, love that. I, that makes me think just like that, I guess doing the same thing over and over, you know, uh, and sort of, uh, improving upon it, I guess, over time, it's like, you you're, you might be doing some of the same things, but you're going deeper on them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like some of the songs that I'm still playing that I wrote 15 years ago, you know, they sound very different to me because, like, I don't know, because they've grown with me. Even though the notes yeah. are the same and everything, it's just I've gone deeper on them, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Okay, well, that's interesting to me. Is there um, any particular song? that's been mm. with you for years that you can really point to and see how it's deepened. Hmm. Interesting. I, there are a few that, that I still, uh, enjoy performing that are, mm-hmm. you know, very old by now. Um, I think, so I'm not a stranger here is one that comes to mind. Cause that was one mm. of the first songs that I wrote. Um, 
as an adult, I guess, or like the first, one of the first songs that I wrote in my sort of, I'm a songwriter now, <laughs> period, <Yeah. laughs> um, that continues to this day. Um, but yeah. that one, uh, I feel like now, well, so I re-recorded it uh, this year and sort of made it a softer version that mm. is more... I think has more kind of like nuance in a way. It's very different from the original, which was very like jaunty and bouncy and, mm-hmm. um, which I, I like both versions, but it's, uh, I don't know. It felt like an opportunity to show how I've grown vocally and in terms of maybe conveying emotion. Um, cause I think, I don't know. I think that what I was doing then maybe was, it was very raw, I feel like, which is mm-hmm. great. And I think that that is an important thing to be able to access. But mm-hmm. I, it's nice to be able to be intentional, um, which I feel like is something that took a lot of time to learn how to do. <laughs> yeah. that makes And I'm still learning sense. how to do that. Yeah. Well, no kidding. It's a process. <laughs> Is there anything that um, you're currently um, f- feel like you're 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 hitting a wall with that you're mm-hmm. learning and you're like this is difficult? I don't know how long it's going to take to break this ice or to like scale this mountain. Whatever, pick your image. Yeah, I I guess well maybe <laughs> I don't know. Time management comes to mind, um, <laughs> and I Same. think that yeah yeah just like how to fit the business side of things uh, with the creative side. Um, I'm very much like a, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe it's my like ADHD, like hyper fixation. Mm -hmm. It's hard to task switch. And so Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard for me to sort of do both the, you know, making as many videos as I can for like social media to try to get myself out there and, and like then also be writing new songs. I feel like mm-hmm. it feels very much like it's one or the other and it's hard to to just switch back and forth when it, within like a single day. So I think that's <laughs> that's definitely something that yeah. I'm hitting a wall with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The um, so with having that, you know, those competing um, competing priorities, I guess, but then competing like focal points of attention, um, among others, like you've got your birds, you've got your partner, you've got plenty of other life that, that is calling for your attention. How do you currently find, um, it it works best to carve out time to write new songs. And then what does it look like when you're actually taking that time? Um, mm. what does your space look like? What does your mental space look like? What does, um, once you get there, so how do you get there? And once you get there, how, how does it look for you? Mm. I, I think that part of it is really just deciding that, <laughs> you know, deciding I'm going to write this song because I have a really, I feel like I have my process kind of pinned down to like, like I really, mm know what it is and it's Mm -hmm. 
because of <laughs> I feel like I, I treated it as like a scientific experiment um, several years mm-hmm. ago, and I kept track of all the hours that I put in on writing a song, and just because it's easy to feel like, wow, this is going nowhere. And so um, if you're not keeping track of the hours, and so uh-huh. if you are keeping track of the hours, then you can see like at hour 10, I know that I'll feel like it's going nowhere, but it's actually still going somewhere because I know because at hour 12 or hour, usually it's between 12 and 16 hours across a period of two weeks that it actually becomes a finished song. And so, but I know that there's usually like a dark night of the soul around like hours eight to 10. (laughs) And then I will get through that and come out on the other side. Um, But it's only by doing more hours. So it's all about time, really. Yeah. And that's a pretty consistent pattern for you? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like in, so I had had like this long period of creative block Creative block is one way to put it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like mental health getting in the way of creativity, which is a block. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, so that lasted for a few years. And and then finally, so when I got back into writing songs in 2016, I this is when I did that experiment thing of like keeping mm-hmm. track of the hours. And, uh, you know, after a few songs, it was clear that there was a pattern and and then very predictably, it was like, you know, I could count on myself to be able to finish a song every two weeks. Like it was just, it was like clockwork. It was, I, you know, sometimes things would happen quicker, but for the most part, it took that much time each time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was true for, you know, like 30 songs. So it's like, there's, wow. it's very clear. <laughs> That's cool. Now, were those 30 songs all two-week blocks that were back-to-back, or were there any meaningful interruptions, uh, like long periods of time uh, before you returned to the pattern? I would say that they were pretty much all back-to-back for quite a lot of 2016, and, you know, throughout 2017, I think there were, there was a good amount in there. Um... I, in more recent years, I've been working more on this novel that I'm writing. And so yeah, I've written not nearly as many, like it's been few and far between, uh-huh. but I wrote one like uh, a month ago or so. And that one, it followed the same pattern even still after, you know, okay. it might've been like a year since I had written a song and it was still exactly the same amount of time. Um, that being said, very rarely I have written a song like in one sitting, like my song Silent Film, mm. I wrote in one sitting. But that was kind of an extreme Which I case. Love, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, extreme case. Uh, what do you mean? I know. Yeah. It's like I, I really like put the bait out there. Um, that, so uh, Adam and I, that's my partner, our African gray yeah. parrot had just passed away really Unexpected, like mm. unexpectedly, very kind of shockingly, and um, yeah, and I'm this sorry. was in 2020. It's thank you. Um, it yeah. was, yeah, it was really really hard um, because, uh, I mean, I guess going back to the noise of birds, <laughs> it's she really um, mm-hmm. 
filled the apartment that we were living in with, you know, so much noise. Um, like, yeah. And so the lyrics of that song about, you know, you were the soundtrack of my life. So, yeah. So it was, yeah. Every little thing that we would do, she, I mean, we would call her our fully artist because it's like, if you picked up a glass (laughs) and drank from it, she would like, you know, make a sipping sound and then a clunk of the glass. And if you put on a coat, no. she would make a zipping sound and she would even say like jacket and, <laughs> and like, yeah, if you, you know, if she heard a knocking sound, she'd say hello. And there were just so many little things like that. Just ton. Like if you dropped something, she'd say, whoops. And so <laughs> it was such a huge presence to, uh, have like to have absent all of a sudden. Yeah. And so when my partner went into work the next day, I was all alone. I mean, I still had Georgie, but she is, she's not Mm -hmm. quite as big a presence in that sense. Um, And, uh, and I guess she was probably, you know, dealing with that absence as well in her own way, even though they hated each other. But, uh, but anyway, (laughs) um, I, it was just so quiet that, um, yeah, I was like, I need to do something with these emotions. And so I sat down and wrote that song in, you know, it must have been just a couple, maybe a few hours. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, very unusual for me. Yeah, well, and it was a really unusual experience. That was yes. not yeah. typical. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I think that part of my thinking was... I mean, it just felt so lonely not having Adam there as well. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, what if someday, you know, God forbid, like, this is my life that like, mm-hmm. this person I care about is gone. And, and I guess it felt like an exercise in like leaning into those emotions of grief and, and capturing it fully you know, as I was experiencing it. So without, usually when we're writing something over a period of time, it's like we bring different selves to the work, you know, and so it becomes like this composite of, of our, ourselves, I guess, of like who we are on a different day and what we've been taking in, you know, all the like input from the world and what we're reading and watching and hearing. And so in this case, it was just so concentrated. And then, and so then after that, you know, I went through the grieving process and everything. And so then like that all happened later and didn't ha- it didn't get to be a part of the song. And so, so that gives me, you know, evidence that, that I can experience that like acute stage of grief and then, still live and write other songs that are happy songs and you know like life can can go on yeah was that a fear for you that that wouldn't be able to happen I think I mean yeah for sure (laughs) I mean I think Mm. just knowing like how I've been affected by some things in my life like traumatic events and things and how yeah well like the the period where I wasn't writing songs, just knowing how dark things can get, I guess it does, I think make me a little bit 
like worried about how dark things could get, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it is really, I think at this point, I have a good amount of, I keep talking about like evidence for things, but I have a good yeah. amount of like evidence that, that I can, you know, survive difficult things. Um, totally. And that, that like you can be in a really dark place and things can, you know, life can surprise you, but it can take a really long time. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about like how whimsical and hopeful your music, like I used the words whimsy early, earlier, whimsy and wonder, how much that beauty coexists with uh, the grief that you're talking about mm-hmm. in the life experience and then the art that's produced from the life you live. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like, I feel like it's hard to write a purely happy song or a purely yeah. sad song in a lot of ways. And so when I'm submitting to playlists and things, Mm-hmm. Um, often the sad playlists are like, this isn't sad enough. And the happy playlists are like, this isn't happy not enough. And I'm no. like, <laughs> yes, I, I know because that's life. Um, <laughs> uh huh. but yeah, yeah life cannot be simplified to your algorithm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about how you were relieved that, um, the grief and the darkness and the, um, the sadness still allowed space uh you you were still able to create things that Mm. things that were you know happy on at least some levels what part did creation did writing uh did performing play in being able to heal and um you know establish the sense of resilience for yourself like Mm. at what point did they just like feed into each other or did they i mean i think always uh I think yeah. that it seems to be a necessary part of my sort of processing of mm. life, um, which is, I don't know, it's sort of funny that that then is something that I feel so compelled to share because um, <laughs> mm-hmm. it could be very private. And I suppose yeah. that the writing process is usually very private. I'm not one to share things that are unfinished really. Um, and I guess that's partly because, yeah, I guess it's, I mean, writing songs is really a way to understand, you know, something that happened or how I feel about something and put it all into, into words and and sort of put it in a box so that it can have a place to be that is, that is contained, I guess. Yeah, and not even contained in a way that diminishes it, but in a way that contains, that, like, gives it purpose. That gives right. it, like, here's an artistic expression of it that makes it purposeful. Yes, yeah, and that is very, I feel like, not just validating, but makes me feel, like, sort of triumphant <laughs> over, yeah. you know, I'm like, take that bad thing that happened. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think... uh yeah, because compartmentalizing in that way, it could be the kind of thing where it's like you're pushing it down and not acknowledging it, and like years later, it'll come back to haunt you. Um, and because hmm. it was like, oh, you 
you know, we're ignoring that the whole time. But instead, it's much more like, no, I'm going like deep into it and like facing it, I guess. Because, yeah, because like some of these songs that I've written are just, it's like, and that's part of, this is part of why knowing the thing about two weeks being like sort of the duration of songwriting, like that can be helpful if you're dealing with a really difficult topic. You're like, this will be, you know, I'm going to have a very sad you know, introspective and maybe even kind of like, I don't know, like a little bit like triggering, I guess, like a couple of weeks, but like, but then I'll have a song out of it and then I'll move on to another song. And yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and it sounds like, like what you're describing is a pretty disciplined craft, uh, that, successfully doesn't uh, diminish or squelch uh, the emotional fullness of life that it's that it's exploring mm-hmm. um, so at the risk of like feeling like we're turning too hard left I'm interested in that craftsmanship like you've talked about the predictability of your two week 16 hours or so process what's contained inside that where do you mm-hmm. start what do you have to pass through when you're talking about like what's actually going on to paper, what's actually passing through your vocal folds in your mind and what's actually getting into recordings? How does that unfold? Hmm. I usually start, well, you know, is it always the same? Sometimes it's at the piano. Yeah. I don't think it's always the same. I, at least in terms of finding your way in, I think, at the beginning, you know, it's like sometimes it's that you'll have a phrase or uh, something that you've written written down or, yeah, some lines or like a melody combined with some lines of words. And mm-hmm. um, but often that isn't even where I end up. I feel like it depends. But mm. but sometimes where a song where the idea starts is not where the song needs to go or where it can go. You know, you could have written yourself into a corner with just one word and then have to get rid of that word um, in the end. And you'll be like, that's kind of funny because that was the whole idea and now it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about a journey. You start somewhere, but that's not where you're ending. Right. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, I just think of this song that... um, this scientist uh, who studied um, the world's smallest flightless bird, the inaccessible island rail, um, Martin Sturvander, he requested that I write a song about this bird um, or inspired by this bird. And so the song is written. It hasn't been recorded yet, but um, but it uh, but there is a demo like on my Patreon. But um, so I. Cool. Uh, I wrote this song and for a while I was trying to make it into something like quirky and like, Uh I don't know, sort of playful. And then what I, it was like, I had pages and pages of like trying to make that idea work. And then I ended up, I don't know, I guess I must've taken it in a slightly different direction at some point, you know, written some things like maybe it's this. And then that ended up being, the direction I went entirely. And so it ended up being like this like ballad that is very Mm. sort of thoughtful and like has made people cry. (laughs) And so it's, 
I think he was really, like very surprised at what because I definitely have some you know especially among my like older songs there are ones that are extremely like sort of the quirky playful thing mm-hmm. um and this is just so not that um but really I feel like you know did honor the original idea I guess which is that's an important thing to me is like honor yeah. the idea I think about that a lot yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and so it sounds like this experience uh, or, or your rhythm in terms of what's happening when you're writing is just like finding what is truthful about uh, the original idea, like find the origin, then what's the truth here? And wh- how does how does everything that we put together serve serve that kernel? Yeah, yes, completely. I mean, the, I feel like a guiding sort of mantra kind of thing, uh, you know, for the last 10 plus years has been Emily Dickinson tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And yeah, that love that. That's how I think of my songwriting is I'm saying everything I need to say, but in ways that sometimes people, you know, might need to write a paper about it to like (laughs) find all of the meaning and it, and it will be different for other people, like different meanings for different people. Yeah. No kidding. And then it sounds like, if I'm hearing you correctly, the, the the different versions of you that show up to every two week period of time is a bit of a different person who has to go through a different um, a d- different sequence of of tasks in order to explore it and find what's true there. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that does sound right. I think you know there are a lot of tools I guess that you can use. I use a lot of. I don't know. I'll take voice messages a lot. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, when I'm say I have a verse or something, it's like, I'll record that and listen to it. I think it helps to listen to what I'm making, you know, over and over, like as I'm making it. And sometimes I'll, I be, I guess because then I'm hearing it outside myself. And so it's one thing to hear what something sounds like from inside your body I guess like but to hear it yeah it's vastly different (laughs) yeah it's very different and um I don't know it it is weird it's interesting to think there are some people who are like oh I never you know watch myself perform or I never like Mm -hmm. listen to my own songs but I feel like the outside sort of thing you've created is so different from like I think people think of it as maybe narcissistic or something. I don't know. There's some sort of thing there where it's like, some, yeah. Yeah. And I don't feel that way at all because I feel like the thing that's on the outside is just so different from, yeah. From what's think, on the inside. Totally. I think some people are intimidated by that difference and they're, they're, they're shocked to see themselves in, in the mirror, so to speak, like to see that external recording and realize that they're so different from what they thought they were that this yeah. piece of themselves that's externalizing hits people in a way that's so different than they thought it was as it originated. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think part of it is just, yeah, I think the more you do it, the more you like, you know, dare to look it in the face, the easier yeah. it becomes. And I think that that is a place where you can grow, you know, from, from like being able to look at your work and think of it as, you know, less personally, I guess. Um, mm. 
Yeah. And because then you can think more critically about it, I guess. Yeah. Because you're facing it for what it actually is. Yeah. 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 No, that's so interesting. That's cool. I love that. Now, so you talked about uh, another bit of a sharp left turn. You talked about the novel that you're working on right now. Are you noticing any extreme differences in the writing experience between your songs and your novel? What what are the similarities and what's the difference? Or is is it quite similar? How is that for you? Hmm. That is interesting. I think it's pretty different in a lot of ways. Um, For one, it, you know, I've been writing this book for five years <laughs> and so it's mm-hmm. it certainly takes mm-hmm. a lot more time um so there's less i mean it's really a marathon i mean it's like it just goes on and on yeah. um and that is extremely different from being able to say in two weeks this will all be <laughs> you know this will all be over and if it isn't a good song i can you know if it isn't you know my what i think to be my best work there'll be another song. And so I don't need to worry Mm -hmm. too much about it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, with a book, I mean, it's such a, it's like a relationship that goes on and on and, and it's kind of, you know, you have your ups and downs and, and I mean, but then on the flip side, I guess a similarity is that I think that it really requires like being able to do deep work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that is a similarity in in terms of, like, I don't think you can just dip your toe in a little bit, like, every once in a while and mm-hmm. complete, you know, a full-length novel. And, 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 that's, <laughs> and that's similar to songwriting is that if you're just sort of putting a few minutes here and there, I mean, yes, that adds up, but I don't think you'll get the same, you won't even come to the same ideas that you would if you really like sat with it. Like, I think that I'm someone who needs a lot of like kind of spaciousness or something like it. Hmm. I need this expanse of time. I mean, in a ways that, I mean, in ways that can be uh, hampering, I guess, just because I'm definitely one of those people who's like, I have something at three o'clock, so I can't do anything today. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but for, yeah, it feels like with the book, it's like I need everything to just be off my plate so that I can not have to worry about anything else. And then I'll just do this one thing, like as long yeah. as it, as long as I can for the day. Yeah. 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 And then how often did those days, how often do you dip back into it? Do you take a day like that? I, so a lot of the month of August this year was spent, um, really, really focused on this book. And I, I got done with a round of revisions that way. So, which involved like a lot of generating new material, um, because I just, that's the stage that it was at. And now I'm in a place where, so my mentor through We Need Diverse Books is going to give me notes soon that I'll Mm -hmm. then have to work on cutting stuff because it's like, Uh, yeah what I generated was, you know, like a hundred pages more than what I need. And so, which is not the worst problem to have because before it was too little, but I definitely overshot. Um, but I kind of had to overshoot, I think just because 
it's like I had to just kind of live it, like go really deep into, I don't know, deep into the world yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. But cutting, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the next stage is like, because that'll be the editing down to be something that's actually, you know, uh, able to go on submission to, you know, I'll, I'll start querying agents and everything. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah, it takes so much time to be able to explore, find like the full breadth of what can be there and then to curate down what is the best and the most important. Uh, and it brings to mind the uh, the quote, which I don't know if it is actually Mark Twain's, but it's been attributed to him. Um, I'm sorry if I had more time, I would have written less. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is the idea of like, okay, yeah. If I had more time, I would have picked just the right things. Yeah. 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 I'm interested in one more thing. How do you, because mm. you, you referenced notes from your uh, uh, mentor. How do you manage um, feedback from people? Mm. How do you navigate receiving that kind of uh, uh, response from people? My gut reaction is to say poorly, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I don't think that that's entirely true. I think that um, I think my initial reaction is often like like indignant uh, and sort of mm. like, well, you just don't understand. Um, but then yeah. you know, I had my reasons. But then like, I think I think it takes me. You know, maybe it's a few days or maybe it's longer in some cases. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be um, like, okay, well, I guess I can kind of see what you mean about that. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think that with songwriting, I think I'm a lot less open to, mm. to feedback because I, it feels like, like I know what I want to do there. Um, yeah. and, and with a song, so like, it's pointless to give feedback on a song that's already finished okay. <laughs> and, and that's right. Yeah. And that's something that you get sometimes and it's kind of like, and like, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, yeah. especially from those playlisters, uh, where it's like, but I have, you know, I think I've made my peace with them <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, you're not really who I am trying to reach anyway. But um, but with writing a book, I think it's, um, I don't know, it's, I think especially the deeper in I get, I think the more I am accepting that, um, that, like telling the story and writing a book are different things kind of. Mm. And so I need to be able to, to follow the guidance of someone who knows how to write a book. Like I can, and this is some of the advice that he gave me is like that I am, that I am a great storyteller. Um, mm. but that, uh, part of what I'm in the process of learning right now is how to write a book, which is like yeah. a different skill. That's like, that's partly, you know, business and marketing and, you know, trends yep. and not trends so much, but just standards of, of, uh, the things that people are going to expect, um, yep. and that will make it so that you get your foot in the door. 
yeah, removing some of the barriers that could be there, uh, yeah. that would be a hang up for a person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I, I was going to ask you to open that up a little bit, what you meant by that difference between telling a story and writing a book. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think sounds... that's basically it. Yeah. Is just that uh, writing a book, you know, there are, if you read, you know, a hundred YA novels, you'll see patterns in terms of, you know, what is done and, mm -hmm. and obviously you don't want to just conform to everything. For um, sure. But, but I think it makes sense to work within the parameters. I mean, this is something with songwriting as well is like, you know, when I'm talking to someone who is trying to learn more about composition, um, and say like a kid who's like, uh, writing music for the first time, um, it sometimes the melodies will be kind of all over the place in terms of like, because it's fun to just pick, mm -hmm. you know, really random notes and stuff. But it, it's like, mm -hmm. if you listen to most music, like most music that we like has certain patterns, like, well, it has patterns at all. Yeah. That's one thing is it's <laughs> yes. like, usually patterns are a pretty important part of music that people enjoy. Um, and it really helps to be able to, I don't know, it's such a cliche to say you need to learn the rules before you break them. But I think that, like, I think... But cliche you, for a reason. Yeah, I mean, another way of looking at it that I've heard more recently is, like, before you take down a wall, you should know why it was there. Um, yeah. And which makes it sound like creating is dangerous but um it's like there's a like a tiger on the other side of the wall or something like it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't follow a certain quote-unquote rule right but, yeah yeah well in, in everything you're saying here it sounds quite a bit like part of the picture is meeting people where they are an audience that you is used to certain patterns rhythms um conventions meet them where they are in order to then bring them on the journey that you have in mind. Because yes. if you start on a completely different map, there are some that will not follow you. And there are some gatekeepers that won't even let, won't even introduce you to a potential audience. And right. in order to create something that's purposeful for a lot of us, purpose involves actually moving people and touching, touching people's hearts. And so, uh, developing the skill to be able to identify where people are at and meet them there to then journey beyond it is a huge part of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a that, far more yeah. charitable perspective than just saying, uh, conforming to, to right. just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I think, um, yeah, it's, I think probably not very many people who are just like, I'm just going to do my own thing. I mean, I think that sometimes you'll see people who are like, you know, I'm, I don't really read any books, but I'm a writer and I like am like, yeah. and, and I think that often I imagine that those people don't make it very far because, mm -hmm. because like, I don't know if you're that, I don't know. And I have been this way about music at times but if you're that convinced that your thing is like the absolute best thing in the world it probably isn't <laughs> um <laughs> like just because just because uh 
I don't know. That's like a classic sort of, you know, hubris sort of thing. Um, but I, I mean, at the same time, I think it is really important to be a fan of your own work. So, and that's Absolutely. something like, I believe like so strongly. Totally. And you can be a fan of your own work while seeing it in the context of everything that's around you. You don't have to yeah. be blind to the things around you to see the context. Right. Yeah, because art is a conversation. And I think that's something yeah. that, that I don't know, it's like, uh, it, that is one of the most important things, I think, is that, like, especially with writing novels, is you're never going to have something that's completely original, you know, that no one's ever done before. And so it's really important to know who you are in conversation with and how you're contributing to the conversation. Cause you're not going to be breaking, you know, barriers in every single way, um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, your novel about, you know, probably very similar themes to other things that have been written. Totally. Well, like at the top of this conversation where we um, referenced uh, us standing on the shoulders of an older version of ourselves, mm. this whole thing, we're standing on the shoulders of storytellers who've gone before us and yeah. then in conversation with uh, with the other ones that are around us. Right, yeah. yeah. And art is the best when it is facilitating connection. Yes, yes, best. that is so true. And I... I feel like I'm just like uh, going off on tangents here, maybe, but, but I, um, I welcome it. Yeah. Well, so like part of what has gotten me a lot of new listeners lately is it's, I've made these videos about connecting my work to like fandoms for different to fandoms. uh, Yes. yeah, Yeah. For different books and movies and podcasts and things. And, and, you know the 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 response has been very largely positive there'll be like you know one comment among maybe thousands that are like you know criticizing me for what they think i guess is some kind of like I I don't know like really insidious gimmick. like gimmick yeah like marketing i mean Everything is marketing, yeah. but I think that <laughs> like, like some people, yeah, very few people, but have been critical in a way that, that is a little bit, I mean, maybe it's just, it feels a little naive to me, maybe in a way, uh, but like also missing the point, which is that it's really exciting to make these connections between things like, yeah. My the things that I write are really influenced by everything that I'm taking in, and totally. and then it's really exciting, like incredibly exciting, to see other people use what I've made for the things they're making, and yeah, and it's like I don't know. I find that so much more meaningful than just saying like, "Hey, I made a song," like everyone should listen to it or something. It feels yeah. like. I mean, it feels like a light bulb, you know, sort of like an epiphany kind of moment in the past month around this that I'm like, because I think I mostly was doing the thing where I'm like, hey, I wrote this song every, you know, please listen to it or something. But now I'm thinking, what do I have to offer to people? You know, what, how, like, how can they use this song? Yeah. 
And that is, I mean, I guess that is, you know, marketing technically, but like it feels more, it feels less self-serving, I guess. Um, totally. Yeah. yeah. There's an audience uh, sensitivity and a service minded, um, uh, attitude in that rather than exclusively self-promotional. Um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful outlook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly, I'm getting so much happiness from it, um, from like the connections with these communities that I'm interacting with who are becoming my community, um, as if by magic. (laughs) I love that. That's really cool. Well, and I think that, uh, there, I think it's beautiful that it's happening to someone who has such a clearly beautiful soul and um, oh. such an interest <laughs> in in adding light and beauty to other people's lives. So I am incredibly glad that those connections are actually happening. That is really, and, really, and that's so nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Steven, I've taken so much of your morning and I am so grateful, so grateful for this conversation. Before I let you go, I'm curious, you know, thinking about the the wider context of different art and stuff that we're surrounded by, is there anything that you're currently reading, listening to, watching that is inspiring you and feeding your soul? Mm, I, so thanks to a lot of the people who I've been interacting with online, I'm almost done with reading Good Omens and then I'm going to watch the show. And And then I just started The Owl House as well, which is really delightful so far. Um, Beyond that, um, I guess the things that I've sort of found of my own accord, I'm like, let's see, I'm reading, I'm reading Rouge by Mona Awad. And it's, it's really excellent. It's very, uh, if, I don't know, if anyone has checked out any of her books, they're wonderfully strange and, um, And yeah, really enjoyable. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks for the recommendation. Like <laughs> yes. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, Thank you. I hate, I always hate ending these conversations, but <laughs> here we go. They got to happen at some time, <laughs> at some point. Um, I want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with someone who you might appreciate, who might appreciate it too. And uh, leave us a rating wherever you're listening, uh, because that helps people like you discover something new and expand this network of connections where we can add to each other's lives. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at Timothy Lenko and at Timothy Lenko Music. Steven, where can people find you and follow your work? Uh, On most platforms, I'm at Sparkbird Music and on Spotify, Sparkbird, pretty much everywhere is Sparkbird, but on X, it's hello, Steven, but you know, okay. <laughs> how long will yeah, I be there? Sparkbird was taken. <laughs> y- yeah. Okay. <laughs> hello, Steven on X and uh, uh, Sparkbird on everywhere else. We'll put that in the show notes so that people can find it and just click really easily. Um, I'll be back again in just one week this time with the season one finale. And I'll be sitting down with my friend, Jonathan Berry from the band Degenerate Fellows, also an Oregon based uh, act for uh, kind of a different conversation to cap off this season. Uh, So until then, thanks again for listening. Stephen, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. 
pleasure was mine. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye.